This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome into the Inside Carolina Live on the Beat podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. We're sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com. Ross Martin and Adam Smith. Ross Martin and Adam Smith. Ross, it's been a little hectic week, eh? Yeah, there's a lot going on uh, between the two sports and the transfer portal. It's a busy day yesterday. We were ready. No big surprises, in my opinion, uh, in, in terms of transfer portal. I think UNC avoided some guys that we had been rumored that were leaving that would not have been good. Uh, avoided some of that in the early the first day um but you know this is the coaching coaching carousel season bowl prep um and of course uh transfer portal it's, it's kind of a wild time and, and signing day i mean signing day is coming up in uh two weeks as well yeah so adam what's it been like to be uh on the beat <laughs> uh, your first go round and not only the craziness of the past few days but the crossover season um, with basketball and football going on at the same time, sort of, sort of let our listeners know the adjustment. First of all, let me apologize. My glasses are fogged up. I don't know if you can tell. Uh, what have you? No, I don't even want to know. I was just hustling out of the shower. I had a, <laughs> I got a little run in this evening, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm wet over here. I apologize for my appearance. I'm moist. Um, it's, it's not a pretty sight at this age, guys. Um, <laughs> Ross and John, hold on to it as long as you can. Ross, your hair looks amazing. Um, but, uh, well, Tommy, I mean, this is not my first rodeo here, buddy. But um, With Inside Carolina. Yeah, I, I'm just messing with you. That's uh, <laughs> pretty busy. I mean, <laughs> uh, I am extremely thankful that we have the team that we do because, like Ross said, I mean, I think that uh, with uh, Ben Sherman behind the controls, I think that we're – We've been prepared, hopefully. I'm probably setting us up for failure now. But uh, uh, it's been busy. I mean, we've been all over the place, obviously, with football and basketball. I uh, I think it was four different states I covered a game in in the last seven days, um, which was fine. It's fun. Uh, Carolina hadn't been playing great in either of those sports. But, um, you know, uh, we're getting a little break here uh, with football, have it, taking, catching our breath here. But um, – and the transfer portal is the transfer portal is cooking. The coaching rumor mill is cooking, so uh, we'll see what happens. 
the key is though we are still here it's still we're still live on a tuesday night on the beat live does not go away regardless of uh, the result i think we should spend the first part of the show kind of as we have this whole fall we should talk a little bit about football for the first half of the show so if you're in the chat feel free to send any questions in that you have about football and then the second half of the show we'll address basketball and what is going on with the Carolina basketball team. So I want to start with the the transfer portal. This is on the beat live. Ross and Adam, the first thing I want to know, logistics. Tell me how you find out that someone is in the transfer portal. Give our readers, our viewers, a little bit of insight into how that process works on your end. Not necessarily what your sources are saying, perhaps, but when do you see someone's name in the portal? What's that process like? Um, are you like Command F North Carolina in the transfer portal, just refreshing all day to see who's in there? Adam, Ross, you want to take that one? <laughs> <laughs> Adam's not been involved in the transfer portal um, because he's been working hard out there on the road. Um, we there's a guy. I don't. Even, I mean, I don't even know if should be saying this. There's a guy with 24/7 Sports who just tells us, um, so he has access to it. I don't even know what it is. I don't know if it's a. Uh, I don't know if it's actual portal or what. But, but, but half of those, yesterday, we found out through – and Sunday, we found out through just the kid. The kid yeah. announced it himself. So then you can make the article be like, um, Jacoby Criswell has announced that he intends to enter the portal. And then his name goes in, went in like Monday or something. So sometimes you find out through the kid that he intends to go in. Sometimes you find out that he's in officially in through this guy that works at 24-7 Sports who just has somehow has access to it. Um, I've never even seen it. I don't even know what it looks like, but that's it. But then, like, you know, it's sourced. I mean, we knew about Grimes pretty early on a couple of weeks ago that that was a possibility. Um, you know, Criswell, kind of the writing was on the wall, um, so that we had that ready with Grimes ready. Um, and then Ra-Ra, we heard, you know, we heard a couple of weeks ago that he, he was trying to transfer kind of with when the season was still going on. So we had that ready. He had a little change of heart. Um, so those are the three articles you wrote, and then we had the, the running, the running ta- uh, uh, tracker that we've been updating. Yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking at your article here. There's ten names so far confirmed UNC transfer portal entries. I actually want to get Tommy's take here. I, I'm I'm curious, Tommy. Of those ten names, were there any surprises for you? Someone who is locked into this team as much as anyone, or were there pretty much? Uh, you know exactly what you expected after the first few days of the transfer portal. No, I mean it. Nothing, nothing there is unexpected. Um, you know, guys want to play, and you know, Kendall Carr, Tamir Brown, those type guys. They're young. They hadn't had opportunity. Don Tavis Nash, um, Ra Ra too. Even though uh, it'll be interesting to see where he winds up. But you know, Chriswell, he's got to go. Uh, you know. He's not going to stick around for – not in this world. You don't stick around for two years. It is interesting. Ross had uh, – you were talking about Mitch. You and Shot were talking about Mitch, and Mitch sat around for, I guess, three years for his opportunity to play, and it worked out. So, sometimes sitting and waiting works. I mean, Tony Grimes, that writing was on the wall. I, I don't think any of them are – what I wouldn't do if I was a player. Um, I would get a de- – if I was close to getting a degree – I would stick it out until I got the degree and then they can go. And as far as I'm concerned, and you guys may feel differently, if somebody comes to Carolina or goes to any school and gets a degree, they've done all, they've done their requirement, I think, for a scholarship. 
Um, granted, you know, we talk about coaches can leave and come and go as they wish and all, but if you go and you get a degree, um, then you've done your thing. So I can't, can't blame anybody. Um, you're only 18 to 22 once and you don't want to sit back like we do going, man, in my day, I wish I'd have played blah, blah, blah. So no surprises. I have a feeling it's not done yet. Don't, that's not sourced, but, uh, there's a lot of, uh, the window's open until like January, right, Ross? Mm-hmm. Uh, we have an article there, January 18th. It's a 45-day window. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. And then op- it opens again in, in May, I think, kind of after spring practice um, and, and I guess after the semester. Um, so I think there'll be another wave. Ben and I were talking about this. I think there's going to be another wave after spring practice. You may see some more kids. And even after that semester, you know, people want to graduate, things like that. Some names that I had ready to go that have not did not announce were just, I mean, keep – keep these guys in mind. I mean, like Malik McGowan, I mean, you never heard him play. Um, uh, let's see who else. I mean, Keyshawn Silver, I, I thought would maybe be a candidate. Kedrick Bingley-Jones, seems like they're staying at least for the spring. Gabe Stevens, I mean, he didn't play a snap. He hasn't played a snap in two seasons he's been here. Um, so some of these guys just need fresh starts. And then there's some also some linemen, but linemen usually take a while to develop. You know, a guy who hasn't played in three years, he can still end up being a starter in his fourth and fifth year. Um Obi Aguna is another guy, and Justin Olsen is another name I had written down. Just guys to keep an eye on. Not not saying anything there. Don't really know much, but those are just names. When you think, when you look at the roster, just think about people who haven't played that you think would might want to go someplace else and play. Yeah, yeah. this is Egbuna. Mac loves Egbuna. He's oh, a good special teams player. Yeah. Yep. But I mean, you know, if he wants to play, uh, you never know what these kids' motivations are. I, you're right, Tommy. I, if I was a player. I'd want to graduate. I'd want to get my degree in three and a half years and graduate. Some of these kids want to just play. Some of these guys have NFL aspirations. Um, you know, I would graduate and then go go to some place and just play for a year or two just to say I played. Yeah, what gets me about it is, and I'm sure, what, 700-plus entered the portal yesterday or Monday. These guys go in, and it's like they vanish. I, I tweeted it out. It's like manifest. They go into the portal, some of them, and then they disappear. You never hear of them again. And – Sometimes the grass is not always greener. I get it. They want to play, but I just can't imagine if there's going to be 1,500, 2,000 kids in the portal, they're not all going to get spots. I mean, it's it's fascinating to see how the urge to play or to get a fresh start, quote-unquote fresh start, can lead to vanishing and working and getting having to get a job without a college degree, which is – to my point, and then Ross, you just echoed it. That's why I would get get a degree before I left. But you got to try. You know what I mean? Like you don't know if you don't try. Uh, I mean, not to defend anyone's decision about the portal, but I mean, look how it worked out with Brady Manic. I mean, there are portal success stories. You know, um, Jalen. How many? How many? But how many portal people? Those are grad transfers. Jalen Hurts, not a grad transfer, but Manic, a grad transfer, which speaking of that, we can talk about it in the basketball thing. I watched Michael Mayer a little bit earlier for Illinois. That dude's tearing it up. Um, He's having a good game. Yeah, and, and, but you've got um, you've got guys that grad transfer. I think grad transfer versus straight-out transfer is a little different. I, I, think, uh, I think a lot more of those are successful. Maybe somebody can do some research on that. Uh, but anyway, go ahead, John. Yeah, I wanted to bring up our first question of the night. This is from Matt. He writes, will any portal entries actually play in the bowl given Mac's statement about 
portal entries playing. Uh, I don't know, Adam, if you can provide any context there about what Mac has said throughout the season, and when are when are we going to hear from Mac next? Is when's his next press conference? When we when might we know about some of these players who might play in the bowl game? We might not hear from Mac again until signing day, which is the twenty first of December. Um, not sure about that. We might hear from him before. I think they go to when they go out to San Diego, Ross, the 23rd. I think they go out to the bowl, is what we've heard. Um, well, I mean, we know well, Cam Kelly said he's going to play. Cam Kelly made his announcement. He had the graphic and he said he is going to, he's going to get in the portal, but he's also going to play. We have heard, I've got a list over here. We've heard that Jaleel Taylor is going to play. We've heard that Dontavious Nash is going to play in the bowl game. We have also heard that Ra Ra is not playing. Chris Collins is not playing and Jacoby Criswell is gone. Um, so you would have Connor Harrell would be uh, the backup quarterback, I guess, for the bowl game. And then I assume Jefferson Boaz would be uh, number three in line there. Um, but so Mac, I mean, you know, Mac has been very transparent about this. And also just to add to what we've been talking about, I, I have seen what the portal looks like uh, in my previous life. Um, it's nothing. It, when I saw it, I don't know if it's changed. It was nothing fancy. It's like a huge spreadsheet. Um, it is not sexy, but it is a massive spreadsheet. Um, and, you know, just names and places and heights and weights and positions. Um, but Mac has been very transparent, uh, or at least he has with us. That's what he said. You know, they've said, you know, if you want to play with us, you can play. You can tell us we're, you're going somewhere and we won't, you know, like uh, – act any different towards you act like you've got a scarlet letter on your chest or anything like that. So um, I think Mac has handled the transfer portal. Great. In terms of players leaving UNC super honest. Hey, you're upset. You're upset. You're not playing. You're not playing. Come. We'll help you find a place. And he's found people places. I think it, it is. He's been very honest, being very truthful and transparent and letting them play is even another level to that. You know, look, we're not, it's not like we're, enemies it's just it didn't work out and you want to play we get it and transfer i mean i i'll be interested to see you know why a guy like kyle kelly you know he's a he'd be a graduate he'd be a grad transfer i imagine some of these guys you know interested in why they want to transfer i don't know maybe just for a fresh start um i mean some of these guys have been here forever like deandre hollands deandre hollands jaleel taylor and chris collins are all fedora recruits that's how old they are they're, they're still going to try to get a fifth or sixth year so yeah I don't know if I – well, I'm not a coach, but I'm not so sure about playing in the bowl game if you put your name in the portal. That's... Just to add to what Ross was saying, it, it it made me think about it as he was talking about it. Ross and I were talking about it on those videos we would do on Mondays, you know, in September. Because you remember Max said, uh, you know, their first bye week that hit before they played Notre Dame, after they, they opened 3-0, they were having conversations with guys, he said, or the position coaches – we're supposed to be having conversation with guys who had or had not played because we're getting to that four-game um, threshold where you can't play more than four games in redshirt or whatever. So, you know, if we take Mac at his word, they've, they've been talking about this for months now. It's kind of a – yeah, it's kind of – I agree Mac's been transparent. It, it seems to be the case. He certainly talks about it a lot, about that transparency. I just don't know about – you got guys that are on the team that are going to be there past um, the end of that bowl game. They they need to get those reps. I don't know. Maybe that's just the old school. That's a not, good point. That's a good point, Tommy. You want to get the kids that are actually going to be there next year to start getting practice reps. 
Yeah, and I don't want to. It's kind of like, you know, well, I can't can't say it that way, but it, it is a it's a way to get guys that are going to be there in the spring good reps and good game action. I mean, it's a good ball game. They're playing Oregon, and I just saw a tweet that said Bo Nix is playing. So, you know, Oregon's going to be – they'll have some opt-outs, as I'm sure Carolina will at some point, but they've got to get these young guys reps, and I just – I'm not sure about prepping guys for their next job or their next place, but Mac, Mac is adamant about it, and we'll see how it shakes out. I'm not sure if I that I'd want to play if I were – I'm a guy that put my name in the portal, but John, it's Will, it's Will Hardy season. <laughs> hey, that guy's going to be playing for Carolina for four years because he's—I thought he earned his spot. That he is might be the NFL. He might be the NFL in two years. <laughs> Valid. Let's he had look 13 at tackle Saturday night. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he played great. He was in the right place at the right time. Yeah, smart, hard worker. You know, <laughs> first in, last out. Let me uh, hold on a second. Let's uh, hold on a second. John Kramer, since you yelled the question, I'll put it up here. This will be an interesting one. You have to yell it as you're reading it, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> Is it coaching when a five-star player never pans out? Um, it's kind of like the old, um, pardon my language, the asshole in the room. If you walk into a room and you meet one, it's probably one. If you walk in the room and you meet and everybody in there is that, then you're probably the – bad guy point being is if you have one five star that does not pan out then it's probably just an issue but if you have multiple four and five stars ross um this is a debate that has been raging on the inside carolina message boards about guys panning out are they all good especially on the defensive line where you stand here as far as uh this question i think it's individual player but i want to get your take that's a tough one. I mean, I think there's been, I mean, a track record of a lack of development on the defensive side of the ball, and that falls on the coaches and the developmental system. You know, the best Tony Grimes we saw was was uh, Miami and Texas A&M, right? Yeah, and Texas he's got A&M was his best game. Plenty of reps. His one interception came his freshman year. Um, he was pretty good against Notre Dame his freshman year. And um, – from from then, it's been a steady decline, in my opinion. I, mean, I think there's, I think there's some developmental issues on the defensive line as well. Those would be the two areas I would uh, focus in on for development and, and getting these kids better. Because you would think some of these guys would be, you know, a little better than you, you've seen. You know, Javari Rich has been better. Cameron Rucker's been better. But as a whole, they haven't gotten to where I think they need to be given the hype. I mean, that's just we've read this. This has been a theme on the boards for years. Um, and you know some of you know some of these kids are just busts. I'm not saying Tony's a bust, but you know these kids get ranked, and it's not a perfect system. I mean, not every five star becomes a, a first round draft pick. That's how the, the star system's done. If there's 32 five stars for the 32 first round picks, that's how they're ranked. So, um, but that's not they're not always. You see it in basketball, you see it in football. So it doesn't always fall on the player. But some of these kids are overranked. I don't know. I mean, Tony Grimes will be a all-time UNC, you know, situation. Like, he'll be remembered forever just because of how much hype he had. You know, I, I mean, I remember exactly where I was when I when we when he committed. I was in Connecticut at my now ex-girlfriend's house <laughs> during COVID. And we wrote, like, 12 articles that day because it was the biggest recruit since Marvin Austin. Mm-hmm. And I remember being in that basement, and it was it was hard of COVID. 
because that's why he enrolled early because they were canceling football in Virginia for the 2020 season. So he, he got to campus in August and committed in June or July. Um, and I remember we cranked out content just like with GC Jackson. I mean, we did, you do every little bit of, of content. And so it's a, it's an all time, you know, kind of disappointing thing. And look, we've had um, coach Glover, friend of the friend of the show. He's been on probably five inside kind of podcasts. Y'all had him on the beat, Tommy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had, yep. I think we had him twice on the scoop. It's crazy. Uh, I have it. I mean, I have his phone number. I mean, he's. I, I would consider him a friend. Have uh, you talked to him this week? No, I talked to him before the game, the Clemson game. I'm not reached out now. Apparently, dozens of teams have have reached out to Tony already. Yeah, he yeah. tweeted it was like 50 plus offers or something. Mm-hmm. It's going. It's crazy for those guys. I think, and this is something people miss, and this is a debate for a different show, but. COVID changed the game and this is this transfer portal and this NIL stuff is a perfect storm of COVID and NCAA incompetence and money. And what you have, when I say COVID, I mean, these guys didn't play or they didn't play very little. So they got these high rankings and I'm not saying anything about Grimes specifically. I'm talking about in general, all these guys, um, misevaluated uh you had a lot of guys that maybe weren't as good as they said they were or thought they were or they were better than they thought and they went to different schools and so it's all leveling out but it's still a result of covid i think and the aftermath of covid um you know and, and good for them go wherever they want the coaches can do what they want to do and go wherever they want and they can make all the money then the players ought to as well um i'd much prefer there be some sort of um, tie and you not be able to transfer freely. I mean, look at Jerkovic from Pitt going to Pitt after being at Belston College, then after being at Notre Dame, and then you know Keaton Slovis goes from USC to Pitt, and now he's going somewhere else. I mean, it's just ridiculous how these guys move around. You ought to get one free pass, and uh, that includes your grad year. But anyway, free what? for all for sure. I see that in the chat too, Ross. I see Zachary Small saying. Grimes going to Colorado. Good for him. That's going to be interesting to see if uh, Deion Sanders can win in Colorado. I think he ends up. I think he ends up at Virginia Tech. That would be uh, look. People want, and we can talk about the fan irateness and the fan anger and message board posting and all that kind of stuff. Um, go back and read what this Virginia schools said about that guy when he committed to North Carolina. I mean, it was uh, it was brutal. I like There's UNC one more. Tar down there with he coming. That's well done, UNC Tar. one. <laughs> I'm coming. He's bringing Louie, too. <laughs> what was, what's that? What's the he coming part? That's that's Dion's mantra. Yeah, you need to watch the video. He I, spoke I, to the team. I got the I got the Louie thing. That was funny. I'm coming. Did and you I, see I the uh, luggage? And it's Louie. The, the, uh, <laughs> the Colorado quarterback, the, the current Colorado quarterback, literally jumped in the portal like 30 seconds after that it, meeting. Is Deion's son the quarterback? Is that, he will be, yeah. He's quarterback at Jackson State. He's good. I had no idea. Yeah, He's, yeah. he's very good, Shadur Sanders. He, um, But, yeah, he's he was player. like, we got some positions coming. That's your quarterback? Yeah, he did. <laughs> his name is, say his name again. Shadur? Shadur. I think it's S-H-A-D-D. John, you should, name, you should name your first son that. <laughs> if he could play like that, I would have no problem with it. But, yeah, I mean, Virginia Tech's had some turnover. They got, um, you know, new coaching staff and all that stuff. So, it's just going to be the Wild West. Um, 
but I do think it's just a sort of a confluence of events coming together here this year, and uh, we'll see what happens. Should we talk yeah. about the Clemson game or anything, or or, or stay the program type stuff? What do you want to do? Let's I do. Was I, gonna, was I was going to bring that up as well because there's a good good comment here from Bull Heel. I think it fits in a little bit with Greg's column, which is also on uh, InsideCarolina.com. So Bull Heel. Welcome back, by the way. Sorry, I blocked John's him sucking up to him now because yeah, no, I <laughs> really here last week. Hey, he uh, sent a note to the principal um, demanding to be freed. I got in big trouble for that. But Bull Hill says, I'll admit I'm very down about our football program. I feel like it's a fan base in conflict a little bit because this is both one of the most successful UNC football seasons in the last 25 years, arguably. And also, it's not good enough. It is not good enough given the talent on the roster. And I was I was thinking about this after listening to your show on Sunday, Tommy, driving back from, from Charlotte, especially for someone who is my age. Um, I'm probably the closest here in terms of age to the players. UNC has won nine games, more than more than nine games, essentially twice since I've been alive. If you start in the 1998 season, you go year by year with UNC's record. They've won nine games only twice, the famous season in 2015 and then this year. So when I look at it, you know, with maybe a little bit less perspective about Mac 1.0 or Dick Crum or Charlie Choo Choo Justice, whoever, I, I mean, you <laughs> whoever, have to, come on now. Well, you know, the, the legends, of course, <laughs> that I know a lot about from research, but you have to look at this season from someone like myself in a positive light because UNC is reaching these positive heights that they haven't reached before. Nine wins is a big accomplishment for UNC football program. And yet it's also, it feels like not good enough. So I guess the question to distill this all down to ask you three, has UNC's football season been a success so far? I'll start with you, Adam. Why or why not? It's absolutely been a success. I mean, they won the coastal. They won the coastal, and they went to the ACC championship game. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's okay to feel the the both ways about it because of the path that the season took. It obviously opened and unlocked doors to a lot of things. Well, I mean, I was sitting here thinking after they beat Wake Forest, this team's going to be eleven and one going to the conference championship game. I mean, I honestly thought that. Who I thought they. They would beat Georgia Tech. I didn't think that would be a problem, and I thought the NC State game would be close, but I thought they were better than NC State, um, particularly with the injuries at quarterback to stay. I thought it would be 11-1 and going to the ACC championship game, and uh, I thought they would lose to Clemson in the ACC championship game, but but it's still been a success. I mean, you know, if you go back to August, you know, we didn't know who the starting quarterback would be. We thought it would be Drake May, but we still didn't know who it was going to be. We had no way we could have – in any way predicted what he would be right out of the box. Um, I think you have to call it success, but I think you have to also acknowledge the fact that it's, that it's accurate probably to feel let down and bummed out like our guy or girl bull Hill is over here. Uh, he, she, they um, bulls or boys. How many, how many women do you think are watching this right now? There's a few. I don't know. I don't know. I did. I wanted to be all inclusive here. I know. Um, no, I'm just one. I would, curious it's a good question maybe you can do the run the numbers on that um but i mean and and the way in which these three games have been lost you can also 
understand, and I think it's accurate, the disappointment. They're up 17-0 on Georgia Tech. Uh, the offense that has been high-flying is sort of, uh, you know, gone off a cliff a little bit. Drake May's got more interceptions than touchdowns the last three games. You know, I get it. Um, but they did get to nine wins. Yeah, and they got a chance to win ten games. There's Tina Williams. Look at that. What's to say if they don't lose to George Tate? Yeah, I, I'll, yeah, I agree with that. Sorry, Tommy. No, um, you go ahead because I'm going to comment a little bit more about Greg's article and yeah. some things. Uh, yeah, I think with the, the Clemson loss, you know, you can't, you want, you're not expecting it to be Clemson. But I think losing Georgia Tech and, and State is, 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 was a disappointing aspect. The, the thing that, you know, Adam's gotten to here, yeah, successful season, but the standards changed once we saw how good Drake was. And that's why people were so disappointed. Because, um, like Adam said, we thought it was going to be 11 and 1. And now you kind of three straight losses limping into. The bowl game, you know, I don't think people are very excited. You know, there's not too many fans there just because of geography. And I think, you know, a little bit of what Greg's article got into was the fact that they the easy schedule, their defense didn't just wasn't as good as I don't know how you phrase it, but they weren't as good as their record. They really weren't as good as their record. The advanced uh, metrics. Specifically. Yeah, like the defense was not good. The offense got was not good in the last three games. Um you know, I just think losing state two years in a row is, is, is very disappointing. Um, and I think there's questions with this fan with the fan base right now about where, where the staff is going. People want defensive staff changes. We're wondering how long Mac is going to still be there. Um, you know, you have lack of development in certain at certain position groups, and I think that is concerning to a lot of fans. Tommy, Greg's article is based on. Uh, obviously on the message boards and the anger there, but also the press conference before the ACC championship game, which on the threads, I saw a lot of people saying whatever. I was there. I was sitting beside Andrew Jones over at Tar Heel Illustrated. His question was about the anger, and that's what got Mac fired up. Um, you know, Ross, your point about, you know, expectations are not static. Right. If we go by the mantra that Carolina is an eight win program, then, yeah, nine wins is a great year. Um, and I think when you look back on it, folks will forget how they ended up. They will remember the nine wins or at least remember. You'll see that in the record books. But the bottom line is, is to the point about that, Drake may drug this team um, with some crazy heroics that we haven't seen in a Carolina uniform to those nine wins, um, granted, it's a team sport, but let's be real. If Drake May wasn't the quarterback, um, they wouldn't have won nine games. And, and so that's how it ended. Um, how it ended is the disappointing part for people. They're 0-4 in the last two years versus Georgia Tech and NC State. And that's the one thing um, that, that was my point, is Mack at Texas losing to Oklahoma – Texas fans don't care anything else about it if you, unless you win a national championship. You win a national championship, then the loss to Oklahoma's – they can stomach it, but they're still mad. Same way, it's relatively speaking for North Carolina, but you don't ever want to lose to NC State if you're a North Carolina fan. And so that's why people were fired up. The Georgia Tech game is the egg that everybody was fearing. I think it's a successful season. I mean, nine wins, it just did not end like it should have. And they've still got – there's still more to come, right? There's still more um, fallout from it and a bowl game to play, recruiting and all that stuff. I just think they missed an opportunity. And I asked Mac that, and he didn't like the question. I said, did you not think you left some meat on the bone 
um, <laughs> by losing those two games. And he didn't necessarily agree. And I don't, it's his prerogative, but I think the opportunity was there to be better than just better than average. And so that's my take on it. And the fans are mad. The fans pay money. I mean, look at all those people in Charlotte and shout out to a lot of people in this chat that were at the tailgate um, over there at 1200 Graham Street. They pay a lot of money to this program. I mean, that blue zone didn't get built when Mac 1.0 was going on. It got built during Larry Fedora's stuff and the rest of those guys. So, I mean. Great, great turnout in Charlotte, right? Like, was yeah. the stadium about 55, 45, 50, 50? Right. I was sitting in the end zone and I couldn't see, you know, I couldn't see back and around, but there was a ton of Carolina fans there far, far more than there ever was in 2015. I mean, yeah. it wasn't even close. And There's... it felt like an event, you know, walking in the stadium, you got the Christmas lights downtown, you got the music. Well, it's true. Didn't you think Ross? I mean, it felt... I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a big time NFL stadium. It's a big time game. It felt, it felt like something was happening. It was cool. And, and yeah. that is in spite of those two games of Georgia Tech. So to to think people don't care or, or think anger is unjustified, you know. It's a good I, fan base. Man, the fan base is ready for a winner, I think. I mean, that's just a good indication, you, you know, selling out home games. You know, I call it the student section a lot because I think the student section leaves too early. Um, but the, the, the fan base is, is big. And, and, I mean, they haven't had a consistent winner ever. Last time I guess was Mac in the nineties, right? What, what was it? Nine? How many? How many? How many double digit win seasons do they have in the nineties, Tommy? Ten and two, and then eleven and one. Um, after you know he left after an eleven one season. Okay. I yeah. think yeah. maybe in ninety three they have three three double. Di- didn't they I go to? Did they go that. ten and two three. in a ninety three? I don't know. I thought it was I'm, just they went twenty two or ninety three, and then back to back ninety seven, ninety eight. Yeah. Something so, I mean, like there was some success there, but um, – and Garrett Chapman says right there, I was about yep. to call it up yep. myself, consistency. I mean, and you can't lose to NC State, not the way you do it. And, uh, you know, you lose to NC State last year on a complete meltdown. You lose to NC State this year on a missed field goal. Mm-hmm. Um, the with quarterback a, situation. These teams had their third and fourth stringers in there. I mean, that yeah. don't make you want to rip your hair out. And that's why people are mad. Every quarterback that played against NC State, not named whatever the Virginia Tech guy's name is, and Pitt quarterback, had Heisman numbers against North Carolina. And that's why people are upset and mad about it. And if they didn't care, you, you know, we'd be talking about how there's no money for anything. Well, there's money there because people do care. Yeah, craving consistency is a great way to put it. I think fans, you know, ready to see nine and ten wins again next season. Tougher schedule next season. The Clemson on the road, mm-hmm. uh, Minnesota. I was looking at South Carolina. I didn't realize they played South Carolina. So, we'll be back in Bank of America Stadium next season. Um, Clemson on the road. Who else they have? Um, you know, it's not as easy. Play at the, State. At hey, State. At Clemson. The Coastal. The yeah. Coastal's over, baby. It's no more every yeah. season getting uh, – you know, getting Tech, Georgia Tech, and getting um, uh, who else is really? I mean, Virginia, Virginia Tech. Now you have to go play. Duke has been down. Duke, yeah. I mean, now you have to play Wake more often, and Clemson more often, and Florida State, and you get Boston College thrown in there more, Syracuse thrown in there more. But um, it's a new era, so you know, consistency is important. And I think the big thing about consistency is coaching staffs. I mean, I think there's this desire to move on from coaches and from Mac, but there's also the fear of, you know. What happens, you know, look at um, 
trying to think of a good example. You know, you know, look at Texas without Mac. You know, it, it, they couldn't find the consistency after he left. Um, Tennessee without Phil Fulmer. Just take without, you know, sometimes, you know, the grass is not always greener, but um, the consistency is important. You know, getting back eight wins, nine wins should be the expectation. And I think this program can get to 10 and 11 wins, you know, every other year. Yeah. And, and people, I always say, watch out what you wish for. And this is directing it back to the fan base is you want people gone. You want things to change and all that, but you know, uh, on the Clemson game, I don't know if we haven't really talked about the actual Clemson game. You know, I'm sure all the podcasts have, but man, I it's just those two uh, turnovers were so big. They were in it. They were moving the ball too. They moved the ball well the whole game. I thought the the, the fumble on the 20 yard line, and then Clemson scores, and then the pick six in the third quarter, and Clemson scores. It could have been 24 17, instead it was 32 10, and that's the difference right there. You know, I thought the defense obviously stopped DJ um, twice, then had trouble with Ked Klubnik, um, but the offense moved the ball. I just couldn't couldn't score in the red zone, and the two turnovers are huge. And that's – I mean, turnovers are, you know, that's the story of the game right there. And so they, bottled not, up, they bottled up Will Shipley pretty well. Yeah, they were in the game. Like, they competed. It's just the two turnovers. That's what it is, and not be able to score in the red zone. The missed field goal as well. Yeah, I mean, the, the pick six was – that's when it was over. I, I mean, oh, yeah. that was you could goal. literally see – the lifeblood drain out of that North Carolina team when that happened. And, uh, you know, those state plays, but Clemson makes those type plays and Carolina's got to learn how to make them. I, I think, I think what Clemson did and a lot has been made of Mac saying they didn't prepare for the backup quarterback and all that. They, Clemson runs the same offense. He just doesn't stink at it. Like DJ, you did. I mean, I don't even want to butcher his name, but DJ's first couple passes were like, this dude doesn't even want to be here. <laughs> shot putting him. I mean, why, why was why was Cade not playing the whole season? At least after two or three games. Good lord, well, he played pretty, eight games. He played enough, but he. I, I really well, think Max's comments that, were a little jarring. I, I really think that Dabo oops, oops, oops. ruined an opportunity uh, to be playing in the playoff by sticking with DJU way too long, and. There was no way in hell he was going to do that in ACC championship. He wasn't going to cost him an ACC championship because I think Carolina wins if he plays the full game. I mean, without question. But everybody said, you know, he's going to stick with this guy. He's going to stick with this guy. Well, he, Dabo's not stupid. And, uh, yeah, so Carolina just – they were there. But, you know, you have to play perfect. Carolina is a team that has to play perfect against a team like Clemson, and they're not there yet. And it's not talent. There's some talent issues, but it's a lot of other things that uh, should not be issues that I think that are still issues. So it would have been interesting if they could have scored there in the third quarter to make it a one-score game. Just to, I mean, you know, you put some game pressure on them. I mean, uh, I'm not saying that if Carolina gets in there, they win the ACC championship. But it would have been that that, as you guys said, effectively ended the game. It was over at that point. Mm -hmm. But it would have been interesting to see if they make it 24-17 and just. What happens? Maybe Klubnik screws up a little bit, you know, or runs himself into a turnover or something like that. But obviously, didn't happen. Yeah, I mean, Clemson's good. People people seem to forget that, and that defense is nasty. And they were all over 
um, Drake May, mm-hmm. as were, was NC State, and as was Georgia Tech. So, see a little different level of talent there, and they they brought the pressure. I was up there next to Adam, look, bringing six, bringing six, bringing six, and then um, Trent Simpson, man, he had yeah. that speed that they hadn't seen on the edge at the outside linebacker position, chasing down um, the running backs, chasing down Drake. A lot and of Charlotte guys out there too. Now that you, man, it's like Charlotte guys on both sides making plays. Yeah, and they tackled. That's the that's the biggest thing, and that's what Jason talked about in the day after. Is Carolina had some plays that could have gone that have gone for long yardage against other teams, but they got tackled. Drake got tackled on a play that he probably scores if he steps through a tackle. Josh Antoine Green gets tackled on third and yep. nine. It was a crosser. Ross and I were talking about crosser to Antoine Green if he. If he steps out of that tackle, he runs for a long time. Well, and he also dropped the uh, fade in the end zone. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that, should, that should have touched. I'm not sure if they scored on that drive or not. That was the Nate Wiggins breakup, wasn't it? Nate Wiggins was – that yeah. was one of the first they, plays Nate they Wiggins field goal. They missed the field goal on that one or kick a field goal. Yeah, sure. got it blocked. That dude made some money. Number 20 for Clemson. He was everywhere. He certainly was. So, I mean, I, Carolina – you know – uh, what's going to be interesting to me is see this bowl game here. How do they treat the bowl game? And, um, you know, and they've got to win it somehow, some way. I don't think ultimately it matters, but. Not going to have Josh Downs probably. I, look, if I'm him, I'm already gone. Um, but, you know, you got to do what you got to do there. But the so bottom line is they got a ton of other players that can step up. That's such a stage for who, Adam? <laughs> yeah, no, where's that question? I, I had that start earlier. Kobe Paysour. <laughs> Don't forget about him. Oh, that's your guy, right? What number is he, Adam? Number eight. Okay. Number eight in your program, number one in your heart. Just making sure. <laughs> I, I mean, they've got enough people to make a difference there. And and so we'll we'll see. But you know, you painted Mac painted himself into a corner by putting all the eggs in the ACC championship and not pulling it out. So it's going to be interesting to watch over the next month, see how this program changes, and then see what happens, you know, after the first of the year. Any other questions, John, that we need to cover on football? I mean, I think it's important to discuss the transfers that UNC is going after, but I would follow the Don, uh, Don stuff on the boards. I mean, just think about what they need. I mean, my intel is they're going out – they've got some wide receivers that are going to – I think try to go after the top wide receivers, but they need cornerbacks. Uh, I think they need an edge rusher, maybe a safety. What else? But check out Don's. It seems like Don's posting stuff almost every day about who they're going after in the transfer portal as they try to wrap up the 2023 class as well. Um, I thought our guy Zachary Small on the comments made a good comment a while back. I was scrolling way back about, I mean, none of those running backs got in the portal. Uh, I don't know. That, Kind of surprised me when Ross was talking earlier about, you know, they were able to maybe miss some bullets there. But um, I thought it was a good point that he made, uh, Zachary Small. Like, yeah, I mean, it's – you look at the depth chart over here, I mean, it's a lot of names. Um, it does show, know. though, too, like you would have picked Elijah Green as maybe the guy to go into the portal before the season started, right? And he ended up having the best season. He may be – running backs. Maybe RB1. Yeah. Next time. They let him in rushing. Tommy, uh, I hear uh, Ben in the background. He's ringing the bell. He wants an ad read here at the uh, nine forty-five mark on the on the East Coast. Yeah, I mean, y'all mentioned Don Callahan stuff on the Inside Carolina Premium Message Boards. Well, you know what you get when you're a Premium Message Board subscriber. What do you get, Adam? 
10% off a Johnny T-shirt. 10% off your Johnny T-shirt order, and they've got all sorts of swag that you need. It's Christmas time, folks. I was up mm. in Chapel Hill today. Um, you know, there's, there's plenty in store for you to get for your, your, your friend, your homie lover friend, your family, your kids, your aunts and uncles, grandpappies and grandmommies. Um, anything you need at Johnny T-shirt, jerseys, NIL stuff, um, Christmas ornaments probably got mm. 10 of those on the tree get it there at johnny t-shirt johnny t-shirt.com take care of them they take care of us and they're wonderful folks and it never ever hurts to support local businesses and they have been around forever in chapel hill and they're that way because you guys support them 10 percent off your order get that code off the inside carolina premium message boards let them know your inside carolina premium subscriber to hook you up ross yeah, I mean, to add on that, I mean, this is a huge time for local businesses, Christmas time, so make sure you support them, and you can get all your Christmas shopping done um, at one 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 stop shop there. This is probably the last Blue Shark Vodka read, the uh, Call in the Shots, the last show was on Monday, so we're the sponsorship, I guess, kind of ends with Blue Shark Vodka, smoothest vodka in the world. Check it out this holiday season, accessible price point, available in all 100 counties. Blue Shark Vodka, we appreciate Connor Barth. And the people at Blue Shark Vodka for their support of Inside Carolina, of Calling the Shots, of On the Beat, and of the Scoop Podcast have been a great sponsorship. It's been a good deal between Connor Barth, former UNC kicker, and of course, Inside Carolina. We'll get some national ads in right now, and we'll be right back with more On the Beat. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back in on the beat live nine forty six already. Good gracious, time flies. Talk. Time flies when I'm talking to you guys. Uh, let's talk basketball. Carolina is uh, struggling a little bit. They have uh, dropped four straight. Really thought that they had maybe gotten out of the funk watching that Virginia Tech game. Adam, what, were you there? Were you in Blacksburg covering? Who's covering? Know it, baby. Was there any sense in that building? Um, that Carolina could win that game because it did not Virginia Tech faithful. Is no, that in the building at all? Did anybody did did Carolina seem threatening? You know, once upon a time, <laughs> Carolina go into a building and they're gonna steal brownies and everything else from in there. <laughs> um, 
early in the game, at least until they were down 18, I didn't get any sense that anybody was any, even had any fear of North Carolina there. And that's, that's different. What'd you see? Well, um, yeah, I mean, well, when I walked in the building, Armando Baycott was getting loose and I was like, Oh, he's going to play. So (laughs) then I was like, well, DeMarco Dunn is not out there. What is going on with that? That's strange. Um, and then it sort of all, you know, unraveled for there, from there. But, yeah, they got down 18. I'm not sure. I saw someone the other day say that, you know, it's okay. Virginia Tech is a top three ACC team. What What? What does that mean? I don't – what the hell is that? You, so, that means Duke, Virginia, and Carolina are not in the top three? Like, I'm not sure how good Virginia Tech is. I love Mike Young as a coach. I love Justin Mutz. He's a great player. Padula's, Padula's fine. Um, but – Hunter, Hunter Couture can stroke it, but I'm just I'm not sure how good of a team that was that UNC lost to. Um, with that said, they were down 18 in the second half, and they did cut it to three. And if Caleb Love makes a free throw after he got fouled on the steal there in the backcourt, it's down to two. Um, but I don't know. I have got a lot of numbers here if you guys want to hear them. I had a little radio appearance in Raleigh, at Raleigh earlier today, and I had looked up some things. I mean, it's kind of Let's unbelievable. Let's Carolina is in the 300s in assists this season. They're 327 starting today. There's 352 teams in Division One. Carolina's 327. Who, who do you have the rankings? I'd love to see who's below. There's <laughs> probably people like NCAA.com. Uh, six, six assists against Virginia Tech. They have more. Carolina has more turnovers than assists on the season. Mm. Uh, Three-point shooting. Carolina is 306 mm. out of 352. Uh, only four teams score less percentage of their points. Three-point distribution. They are legitimately one of the five worst in the nation. Um, But it's it's the first week of December, and that can change. It wasn't looking the greatest last year at this time. Um, I got you, Tommy. Assist percentage. UNC is sandwiched between North Carolina A&T and Fairfield. Out of the – M-A-A-C conference, the MAC. The I don't Mac. know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> Mid-Atlantic, maybe? Hey, so, Mid-Atlantic so, Athletic, I think. Adam, what's the deal with this team? Like, what, what, I haven't really talked to you about it. I mean, what do you think is the issue right now? Because we have a little bit of a um, sample size now. They played some good teams. They've lost every good team they played or every Power 5 team they played. What well, do you think I, the issue is? I can take it a whole bunch of different ways. I mean, I, th- I think they should have beaten Iowa State and Alabama. They were up. You know, seven coming down the stretch of regulation in both of those games, they should have closed those games out, and they should have won those games. Um, I think Indiana took it to them. You know, that was a it was a tough situation. That was a rowdy environment. I think Indiana's a good team. Armando gets hurt in the first three minutes. Oh, by the way, no one is scared of Pete Nance in the post. When Armando went out, they went right after Pete Nance um, with TJD, uh, Trace Jackson Davis down low. They were not – bothered by him one bit um hubert if you listen to hubert he says that teams are defending their ball screens differently and not allowing caleb and rj to get into the lane and collapse a defense and shoot the runner or dish it to armando for a dunk um i think they're kind of lost you know like i have written down on my trusty pad over here lost unenthused i wrote down the other day um you know like We've seen it. We've talked about it. We've written about it. I mean, they're not getting a lot of ball movement. I said it to Hubert the other day, Ross, when you were doing a great job taking care of the football stuff in Charlotte, that they don't score any easy baskets. You know, like every basket they score, it's like hard. 
you know? I asked that to Hubert. I was like, do you guys track easy baskets? And um, he said, yeah, we had one at Indiana. Just one on an inbound dunk to Armando. So um, I think the problems are many. And um, I think they need to get healthy. They need to get some wins. And they need to try to get the ball move, movement going. I mean, it's just too much standing around. It's too stagnant. Adam, along those same lines, take us in the locker room after the Virginia Tech game. You get to go in the locker room on in road games. The prevailing sentiment, it felt like after the first few games when they underperformed against some of the lesser competition was, oh, we're rusty. This is no big deal. Right. Do you sense a little bit of doubt seeping into some of the answers to the questions you're posing them after games? What's kind of amazing is if you go on like our YouTube channel and the videos that I've posted from Indiana and Virginia Tech, the faces on Caleb Love and R.J. Davis right before you click the video to get them started. I mean, these I mean, that tells it all right there. Like these guys are highly, highly, highly aware of everything. What did Caleb say last year? We hear everything. You know, they had a group chat where they put everything. I did a huge story about it. They, They put everything in the group chat negative you know that they could use to fuel them every article everything they saw put it in the group chat uh they hear everything they are aware that they're the first number one team to nosedive out of the top 25 this this quickly they're aware of that i mean rj's and those guys said championship or bust before the start of the season which i think does not look like a great statement right now um but if you listen to hubert happy hubert uh he believes that they could turn it around and, and they certainly have plenty of time to turn around. I think they certainly have the talent to do it. But this, uh, this hasn't been very confidence-inspiring, and they feel it. You know, they feel the weight of what everyone expects. Looking at the NCAA stats, since y'all introduced me to another website, uh, <laughs> field goal attempts on the season or on the – these are game stats, individual game highs, field goal attempts. Caleb Love leads the nation with 36 Wright State, Northern Kentucky, NIU, Southern Utah guys are less. Look, minutes, and I understand that it was a four-overtime game, but Caleb Loves played the most. Leaky Black played the third most, and R.J. Davis the fourth most um, in a game this season. Armando Baycott with the most rebounds. I I think John Henson, and and Ross, you can get in on this, even though you've been on the football more than the basketball is. John, Did y'all hear what John Henson said? I did John, not. John Henson said you cannot play pro style offense without pros. And that's what I see. Nobody respects Pete Nance. They're running Baycott with the high screens, whereas last year they ran a lot of that with Manic. And Manic could step out and hit a three or roll to the basket. And that's the difference for me. Pete Nance should be the guy shooting more threes, but nobody respects that offense and they don't have to defend it really because the way they call charges in college basketball and obviously the circle doesn't matter anymore or at least it didn't the other night you know i just think it's a bad sign i think the the carolina offense has got to go through baycott on the post every time Mm -hmm. under no circumstances should baycott be 35 feet from the basket adam do we have any update on him from what you your perspective only to come back like you talk to him i know we, i know we read we read what you uh wrote yeah i thought that was cool that we got to talk to him i guess nobody told us not to you know they i mean they opened the locker room when i went straight for him uh i think he was surprised to see people talking to him since he didn't play but but i mean i i don't have an update i mean armando said he had not practiced 
from the time he got hurt Indiana, which was last Wednesday night until Sunday afternoon in Blacksburg, he hadn't practiced. He said he couldn't because yeah. it was too stiff. You know, he's doing this. It's too stiff. Yeah. It's too you, stiff. Bruised shoulder. I mean, you would think maybe just this rest, five days rest here. He can be ready for George Tech. We'll see. Um, to what Tommy said, I think Pete Nance is fine offensively. He's fine offensively. Uh, he's going to be – that's going to be okay. I mean, it's, it's, he's just not what Brady Manick was, and it's, I think that'll be okay. They, they just need to get some more shots to go in from Caleb Love and R.J. Yeah. Davis. I mean, that's – they got to make some more shots. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, I think you got to – Brady's – I mean, um, Armando, just feed him and let him dominate, and then you got to hit shots. And they just haven't had the same shots from Caleb and R.J. They haven't been shooting well at all. And and then, yeah, assists, easy baskets, get out in transition, get the offense cooking, like move it around. Just basic basketball. It just doesn't seem they're playing well. I was surprised that Puff didn't play as much against Virginia Tech. I mean, he – started played 12 minutes you have um you have tyler nickel playing 25 minutes and puff had zero points i mean i think puff is a great player Huber what, got what mad happened at him, that, yeah what happened about uh, he, that? i missed why i got mad at him but i saw him taking him out and he was giving him an earful when he took him out and he didn't come back in after he took him out i don't know if it was a missed box out i don't know what he missed but he got so, mad at him and and so he was he in the, played, the rest of the day yeah he played one minute in the second half yeah he was um, pissed at him that's and a, that's very interesting i mean i i love what puff johnson can because he adds you know a long athletic guy who can defend he gets his nose in there and rebounds and on, on pete nance you know i do like his his little he's got a little turnaround jumper he hits off the glass it's been yeah. nice you know yeah he can score um he's just different different than brady manic but I also this last year, and I know people love Leaky Black, and everybody loves him. Leaky Black, he's great, best defender in the nation. He's not a threat on offense, and he wasn't much of a threat last year. He's not much of a threat this year. I think he had zero points against Alabama. Um, uh, he had two against Virginia Tech. I mean, when you're small forward, your six eight fifth year senior small forward is taking two or three shots, two points, four points. I mean, that's just a guy they don't have to worry about. And that changes your offense when um, when he's just not a threat. I mean, dude, drive the basket. You're tall. You're athletic. You're big. Like, he needs to be more aggressive because I think he has it in him to, to be kind of to score in the paint a little bit more. Leaky yeah, is the irony. tendency of taking some really bad 18-footers. I don't know if you've noticed that, John, to where I don't know why he gets – steps a foot or two inside the line and he's taking like a fading, you know, leg splayed out. I don't know what he's doing there, but he's getting into this Dexter Strickland mode of taking a like 17 footer. Christian Keeling, too. Long twos. Remember him? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. What did Rick Patino say the worst shot was? Long two, right? Know, he like sure did. Tommy. Foot two pointer. And he'd bench you if you did that. My, my thing is, um, and Sherelle and Sean and Joey on the Coast to Coast podcast, if folks are in this chat have not listened to that, Sherelle and Sean lay it out. Um, but you know, you cannot have your guards shooting more threes than Armando Baycott gets shots. That is a, that, that can't happen. Um, and so we, we agree that the offense needs to run through Baycott, but I think Nance needs to shoot more. I, I mean, Nance has some issues on defense, but when he decided to start going off, he made some shots. And that's one thing Manic did last year is Manic didn't care. He was letting it go. And if he goes one for 10 or two for 10, so what? But 
Nance and Baycott with four and five and six and seven shots while your guards are shooting that many threes is just a losing formula, especially when they're shooting 25%. So there are a lot of issues, but I do think, um, you know, Sean and Sherelle lay it out better than I can. And, and a lot of people are shouting out Tyler Nickel. And I think Tyler Nickel can be pretty good, but defense is an issue with Nickel, at least from what I saw. And um, that is the biggest thing to me. And we could talk about this. And Adam, I, I want you to comment on this because the defense I thought would be the strength of this team, especially early in the season when they came out and played a little bit of defense. They looked like they were – like Justin Mutz is a decent player, but that dude looked like he, he was doing anything he wants. And I just don't understand how that happens and that continues to happen. You know, it's been an issue keeping people in front of them, the guards, for three years now. But some of the effort on defense and some of the effort on rebound is just brutal. And I, if I'm Hubert, that's where I'm blowing people up, all of them. You know, if I'm going to pull Puff for something, then I'm going to pull Caleb for something or RJ for something. I mean, I don't think there can be – somebody in the chat said there's different leash lengths for everybody. Uh, you know, defense, Adam, where are you at? Well, I think uh... – not to put a magic eraser on this, I think Armando cleans up some of that, like the Mutz drives um, just by his length and just by his size and just by his rim protecting. I mean, Armando never be confused for Dikembe Mutombo in terms of shot blocking, but, uh, you know, I think he, you know, he bothers a lot of those shots and he gets a lot of those rebounds too. You know, he, he cleans up a lot around there in terms of the Mutz. Mutz well, I mean, all these twisting drives, you know, um, he looked great. <laughs> you know, Pete Nance couldn't keep him in front of him. Um, but, yeah, you know, I mean, I just think – here I, I psychoanalyze everything with this team. I, I feel like those missed shots from Caleb and RJ bleed over to the other end. It's what coaches talk about. You can't let a missed shot affect you on the defensive end. And I think um, – I think this team just really needs to have some good things start happening again and start feeling good about itself again. Um, yeah, how's George Tech? How's George Tech? Terrible. We're not good at all. They're very bad. <laughs> okay, there we go. I was going to say, too, about offense and, and shooting. Ross, you, you referenced Leaky Black. Other than Seth Trimble, who's one for one, Leaky actually has the highest three-point percentage mm -hmm. on the team at 38.9%, which I think is a bad how many, sign. How many shots has he taken? He's taken 18 threes compared to 61 for Caleb Love. So that shows some of the imbalance there, too. But when I look at this team, I think this is a team that is not – greater than the sum of its parts it's a lot of times it's the parts taking turns going individual one-on-one -on -one basketball i felt like early in the second half especially it was just sort of players taking turn one-on-one -on -one. yeah they gave um, up early in the second yeah. half and i think a big piece of it too is a lot of horizontal movement horizontal ball movement horizontal uh, cutting uh, cutting rather than sort of vertical attacking the basket, cutting towards the basket, even passing towards the basket. It feels like there's just a, a, a lack of that uh, with this offense. And, you know, maybe that'll change a little bit more once Armando is back in and you, you can throw it into him. But teams have also been doubling Armando yes. in the post, and he hasn't handled that very well all season long. So I don't think it's as simple as just sort of throwing it to him in there, you know. There's a lot of problems with this. Armando gets into those those times in the post where he starts going hard one way, and you know he's spinning mm -hmm. back the other. Way. You feel the spin move, and the defense is there waiting for that spin move, and then you know a turnover happens or something. They're going the other way. 
I, I like Seth Trimble in there as a defender, and I think he, he's been positive. You know, I'd like to see more puff. I was going to see Dontrez play more. He didn't do much, but I just think he's a player that I hope he just doesn't transfer. And then when Nichols in there, I'd love to see him shoot more. I mean, you're in there to shoot. Pull it. It's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting to me. Well, he did shoot one, and I don't think it came within five feet of the basket. So, uh, you know, I mean, but I, I do – look, no fear. Shoot it up. But it gets me it is uh, teams double Armando, and they, they have success with it. Carolina doubles the post, and it ends up in a yep. wide-open three. Yep. And you cannot and double the Indiana strong Indiana passed side. out of the double teams. Yeah. I mean, it's just like – you can't help off your guy and leave your guy standing right there on the same side. I mean, that is brutal defense. Carolina, 79 and a half points-ish um, per game. Dead last in the ACC, though, with points given up per game at almost 76. You know uh, – go ahead. No, you go ahead. This team – I think this team lacks a knockdown shooter. You know, Caleb, but he's not really like that – He's not really he's he's not really a catch and shoot guy. He creates his own shot. You know, they're missing the Brady Manic, Corwin Walton type guy. Um, you know, who else? Um Justin Jack. Like, got guys that could just knock it down. They don't have Wayne anybody Ellington. like that. Wayne Ellington's a great example. Puff, uh, Rashad McCants. Um but like Puff Johnson's not that. Uh, you know, Pete Nance is not really that. Caleb Love's probably the best three point shooter they have. And he's more of you know, you know creator, a ball handler, and driver. They don't have a guy that kick it out in the corner, knock it down. Like if 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 nickel could be there, that'd be huge. But we'll see, I'm, I'm shocked we got a Kerwin Walton reference on tonight's podcast. Ross loves. Ross loves. He was good his freshman year, man. He was. He won the College of Charleston game for him last year. Then he just, then he just disappeared. They, uh, yeah, I mean, this team's got some issues, but let's let's be honest, they were the same issues that they had last year this time of the year and uh you know we'll see if it get worked out they got hot for six weeks last year we'll see if that can happen again anything else basketball football or anything related fellas not to get all doom and gloom but let me tell you they played georgia tech saturday after that there's three non-conference games left the citadel ohio state michigan they need to beat ohio state and michigan badly uh in terms of their uh postseason resume quad quad wins right they need they're going to be in the same boat they were last year if they aren't able to win a few games they did beat michigan last year which they clung on to that win forever uh but they need to beat this ohio state in new york michigan and charlotte two neutral site games um they absolutely do not need to lose to georgia tech of course but those games they they are going to need yeah, you beat Georgia Tech this weekend and Citadel and then it is Ohio State mm-hmm. in Matt Square Garden I'll be there as a fan. Wow. Adam will be there covering it. And then Ohio, Ohio State, right? Is that the next? No, you got it. Wednesday. No, you'll be there for Ohio State. State. And then Michigan the next Wednesday. There you go. 21st, Michigan and Charlotte, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, New, York, New York at Christmas, Ross? Solo trip there to see the Big big Apple? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be with a uh, female uh, female friend as well. I wasn't – I didn't get – I didn't get uh, – wasn't offered to cover it. I, I wanted to cover it, but wasn't given that. So I'm going up. I've never been to Mass Square Garden. There'll be a bunch of heels up there. There'll be a bunch. I got a bunch of friends coming up as well. I want to give Adam props. Adam has been filming his own press conferences now, <laughs> filming his own interviews, <laughs> uploading to YouTube. It was a long process, but Indiana was his first one, and then Virginia Tech was the second one. And so we've we've uh, a baby bird. We've kind of let him out into the the wilderness now to film press conferences by himself, which was the last step. 
to get him fully acclimated. Look at him turning red, man. He's giving you props, role. and you get all red. Deserves, I still haven't stopped sweating. I am wet over here. Uh, <laughs> Ross and, deserves and, all the credit. Or, I'm serious. He taught me literally step by step. I had no idea what I was doing. He's taught. I said, Ross, I still in my ear hear you saying next, 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 like when you're uploading to YouTube. John's the YouTube master. And then because of what Adams did, we're giving him the Citadel game off. And I am taking the lead beat writing role for the Citadel game. How about that? You'll do great. <laughs> we need that. We, in the Southern Conference. If you I got I to gotta write the instant analysis. I haven't written one in like two years. Yeah, we need the instant analysis like 10 seconds after the horn hits. <laughs> yeah. Those things are stressful, man. Adam's good at writing that. <laughs> that is Those are stressful. I mean, that's just – that's awful. Get your X's set up in there, Ross. That's right. The Tar Heels defeated the Citadel XX to XX. You're good to go. <laughs> Boys, y'all are crazy. Anything left, John Bowman? We should – we should just make it a all the way bad podcast. We should shout out the women's soccer team, and they they oh, fought really hard oh last gosh. night. Dude, that Dude. was brutal. Yeah. That was that was up there with uh, Villanova. Oh, that was as bad as bad as it gets. Um, and I watched every second of it, and I'm sitting there thinking they're going to win the national championship, and then that happens. They were up two zero right late. Oh, yeah, sixteen Ed. seconds left. Two, two one with with sixteen seconds left, yeah. and and um, UCLA scored on the they kind of elbowed the goalie into the goal and then kicked it in. They mauled her. Oh, God, I've been the tweets on that. Sock covering soccer. Yeah, I got we got we got to ask you something, Tom. We've noticed what is up with all the spaces in your tweets. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm, I mean, I just like I don't even know what you mean. Let me look. Like Hold you go. There's extra spaces usually, Tommy. I yeah. don't know what you mean, like. Like in what I actually tweet? Yeah, go to yeah, I, I mean, well. go to most of them. You've hit like the space bar like three or four times between. Maybe citizens. people on the chat can chime in too. I'm sure they're big Tommy Ashley fans oh. if they've ever noticed Tommy with extra spacing. Oh, I'm still on the old typewriter type deal, right? You know, you put two spaces after things and all mm -hmm. that would show my. But I do back them out if I push closely to to the limit in characters. I back out those things. But I still use an old typewriter with the thing that you slide across. So. I think he's just pressing space twice after a period. I think I've seen that people do that before. I'm defending you, Tommy. That's what I do. I, I definitely. What's wrong with that? Well, it's more than two spaces. Yes. No, it's not. It looks like you hit a tab. Do you have a tab bar to tab over there? <laughs> you hit your tab. Yeah, it's like a tab. It's like four Damn, five the content, boys. The content, not the grammar and the uh, – this is not a stylistic tweeting. Yeah, it's nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. We're just yeah, wondering. Tommy, I love your tweets. I mean, I'm seriously do. We just had noticed the spacing. We're wondering what was up with that. Maybe it was I've learned to put. I've learned to put my phone down. Uh, I've got. <laughs> I've got funny. one last thing. Fun. Fun question to to end the night here. Hypothetical scenario. How would you have reacted? I'm at the game this past Saturday night. The uh, Clemson fan behind me. God. Uh, essentially spills something on my jacket. Do you confront the Clemson fan? Do you make them pay for a new jacket? Do you just chalk it up to a loss? Tommy, well, how would you handle that? Well, I need some more context here because if he's they being spill. a butthole. And well, it's a, spill. It, yeah, what it, was it? It was an alcohol-related casualty. I'm not going to go into specifics, but it you was the jacket. Out, John. We're all grown-ups here. The jacket was toast. I lost the jacket to someone throwing up on my jacket. Oh, uh, you had to throw it away? Oh, okay. Oh, so he didn't oh. spill it. He threw up on it. Mm -hmm. So what oh, do you do? Man. Do you confront oh, the person? That yeah, changed it completely. Yeah. yeah. 
Do you confront uh, the person? Do you just t- chalk it up to a loss? I'm curious. How much is the jacket? It was a nice jacket, North Face. Members only. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would have probably at least. What, did he offer to pay for it, or was he out of it? Pretty out of it. <coughs> oh, we lost Adam. We lost Adam. <laughs> I don't know. Was it Adam? He got me um, on members only. I wasn't ready for it. <laughs> I uh, I'm not sure how I would have reacted. I'd have probably been a little ticked off. I would have had to survey the scene. Were you below him, though? Because you never start a fight. You're never low man in a fight. So you need to run up the steps and then start the fight. From Tommy giving uh, in-stadium fighting advice. I love it. <laughs> I'm, sure you've been, I'm sure you've been in a couple. I have not, but I have seen plenty of them. Nobody wants to mess with me at games. And that's what gets me. People get so fired up on the message boards, and then we meet these people in purple. <laughs> and they're so nice. And it's like, are you the same guy that was cussing that other person? on the? No. Hey, John, how about that, John? I don't know free, if Garrett's real or not there. Free merch. Hey, there's Look a, at that. Wait a minute. I need a North Face coat. The no. family takes care of you, Johnny. I'm going to sign an NIL deal with North Face, and then I'll take care of it. <laughs> yeah, really. I, I feel like Tommy would act a little bit differently than John would have acted in that situation. I probably would have said Or Joey. Joey Powell. No, oh, God. <laughs> Joey got kicked out of the Duke. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't we gotta end that. this podcast. We gotta yeah, end we need this to podcast. Get out of here. <laughs> I am a, I, I just, I'm, I'm a kumbaya, bring everybody together type thing. Except the Miami guy that was sitting behind me. I mean, that dude was unsufferable. But uh, the problem anyway. is, the jacket ain't never coming back. Like, I mean, you know, no matter what happens, the jacket's toast. Uh, I'm not carrying that thing around either all night. I, I just chalked it up to loss. I will reach out to Garrett. We got to get out of here though before we get, we get in any trouble. Let's get, let's get Garrett's information, John. I, I feel a Ben message coming to me. It, I'm, I'm going to be in the, the penalty box after this one. Oh, no. It was, it's an interesting story. You didn't do anything wrong. You was just at the game. You, you, did you serve? Well, we'll talk later. I'll give you some more instructions on how to deal with it. <laughs> Guys, it's been the On The Beat Podcast Live. It's 10, 15-ish on Tuesday night. Getting a little loose there at the end. Great time, though. Um, we could get really loose. We could have some really fun shows. Might have to. The way the seasons ended and are going, uh, Tuesday nights could be very interesting. Ross Martin, Adam Smith, safe travels, my friends. We will talk soon. Johnny T-shirt, JohnnyT-shirt.com, North Face, and Blue Shark Vodka. Peace. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to Calling the Shots, the final episode of the season. I'm your host, Ross Martin, joined by Jeff Schottmer and special guest Ryan Switzer again. Calling the Shots is brought to you by Blue Shark Vodka, the smoothest vodka in the world. Check it out. The Tar Heels fall to 
Clemson 39-10 in Charlotte in the ACC championship game and moved to 9-4 and on the season. They will play Oregon in the Holiday Bowl in San Diego on December 28th. What's up, Jeff? How are you? What's up, Ross? Happy Monday. That's Switch, right. What's up, brother? Big dog. What's going on? What's up, fellas? Yeah. I want to welcome on Switz here. We got a lot to talk about. We're going to go, you know, a little bit on Clemson and the AC Championship game. Uh, Jeff and Ryan will both there. And then we'll go a little bit broader on, you know, state of the program, a little transfer portal, and just kind of go from there and see where it takes us. Uh, Jeff, let's start with, start with you. Your major takeaways from the ACC Championship game and what happened with UNC kind of falling apart there in the second half to Clemson. Yeah, the first thing I want to say, and I was at the game, and the atmosphere was awesome. You know, I, I played in the 2015 game, and it was probably 70, 30 Clemson fans to Carolina fans. But I thought, you know, Carolina fans showed up and, and showed out, you know, early on. And, and I was excited to see. The, the biggest disappointment for me in the game was we didn't make it competitive. Yes, we were competitive in the first, you know, first, sec, first, first quarter, first half, and a little bit going into the second half. But, you know, I want to be in a game where it's a one-possession game in the fourth quarter to either win the game or maybe they make a play to beat us. And that was the biggest disappointment for me is we lose by 29 points. You know, like we don't ever make it competitive in the second half. Obviously, we'll get to why. But that was the most frustrating thing for me and, and how we've, you know, gone this season is we, we've shown flashes. I think this game was just a representation of our season. We come out hot, you know, we're up 7-0, we have rhythm, and then we fall flat on our face. And that's kind of how our season was. We, we started out hot and then we, we, we declined and we kind of plateaued as the season went. And, you know, this game was a perfect rep representation of our season. Did the crowd look about 50-50 or 55-45? What y'all think? I think so. Yeah, I mean, I was on the Carolina side. It was, I mean, they, they Jeff said it right. They came out like Carolina fans came out. Like I was, I was super impressed with the showing, and um, you know, I thought they held their own in terms of noise and everything with with Clemson at least. Yeah. So Ryan, what were your initial thoughts on the game, kind of from a broad perspective? Um, you know, man, I, I came into that game with just so much excitement. Like I felt like as a fan, like for the first time, like I had being a fan, uh, I was able to kind of just put the, la the last two weeks behind me um, just from a fan standpoint, just like, okay, you know, we're not playing our best ball right now. Lost to Georgia tech, lost to state. Um, but you get into that atmosphere and all of a sudden you have hope again. Like you, you, you kind of forget how the team had, has been trending and, and playing and, and you get into the atmosphere and, and you have hope. And um, I was just disappointed, man. I was just disappointed at, at kind of how we responded to some of the adversity um, that hit us in the game. I think Clemson just kind of sucked the life out of us. Um, and like I said, we had not been playing our, our best ball. I mean, we, it's kind of the opposite, you know, of what you want. You want to be playing your, your best football in, in November. You want to be peaking. And we weren't. Um, I thought we could overcome that, especially with how we started the game. Um, you know, going down and, and scoring, getting two stops. Granted, it was, wasn't against Cade, but, you know, getting two stops defensively. Um, but ultimately the things that have, have, you know, hurt us all year, hurt us again, turnovers, red zone offense and, and, you know, special teams. And we just couldn't overcome that against a good team. Yeah. I definitely want to get into red zone offense with both y'all. I mean, so my, from my perspective, you know, we limped into this game, two losses to Georgia Tech, NC State. Those are the ones that you would think that you would see would have won come in 11 and one to the championship game. Look, 
UNC was a dog in this game, 7.5, 8, 8 point dog. So, like, the, the odds were against UNC to win it, um, but just to not really compete in the second half. Yeah, and by, by the fourth quarter, it was over. Um, I think it really came down to those turnovers. You turn the ball over, the fumble with Amar and Hampton and um, Drake May on, like, the 20-yard line, and they go and score. And I thought the biggest play of the game was the pick six. Like, you're in the red zone. You're on the five-yard line, I think. I think it was third and five on the five, uh, third and goal. And then, you know, a weird play, a real weird pass, trying to hit John Copenhaver, and then the other guy intercepts it and takes it 98 yards for a score. And that, that was a 14-point swing. And that from that point on, it just – they didn't score again. Um, so let's get into red zone offense. Switz, it's been really bad the last three games. I've written about it. I wrote about it after the game. Charlotte like have you seen anything that stood out about what the play calling is or what Drake's doing or how they've approached it and I think another perspective is you know, the book's out on, on Drake and, and Longo now they've seen 10 games of, of this uh, combination so are the defense is doing things differently that's limiting what UNC can do well here's the thing the, the red zone I think a lot of more of our struggles have really been in the score zone you know when you go 10 and in that red zone once you get to the 20, obviously the field starts to shrink. But when you get into that score zone, that really fringe goal line area, that's when that's when you have to have a heightened sense of, of urgency. The windows are smaller. The timing has got to be almost perfect. And the execution has got to be where where um, it needs to be. And it, and it hasn't been. I think, um, you know, specifically in the ACC championship game, um, I thought in our trips to the red zone, it didn't look like Drake was all that comfortable in the pocket, to be honest with you. I thought there were times when um, Clemson was getting pressure, but not enough for, for him to – I think he, he kind of aborted the, the pocket a little bit early. Um, there was a play to Twine um, in the end zone, I think. It was a competitive catch, and I think I think if you ask – if anybody were to ask Antoine, he knows, hey, I got to come up with that football that's an NFL catch that's that's a glance route receiver or DB on your back that's a play that you know we should we should have scored on um but I, I just think overall our our execution down in in that score score zone area wasn't wasn't enough all season um and that's where that's where you know as a quarterback you know and and OC I think they're they're that's one of the things that they're going to be able to go back on during this, during the off season and, and really kind of study and really scout and see, you know, what went wrong. Uh, but I, I think, you know, from, from watching in that ACC championship game, you know, we were flushing the pocket a little early. Um, there was, there was obviously the, the Twan play in the end zone that we should have had, but um, it is so, I mean, shot, shot knows when, when you get into that situation in, in the score zone, when a defense can play quarters, or they can play, you know, man coverage and bracket your best guys. You know, there's not many things, and you're not winning the line of scrimmage, and you can't run it. There's not many things, you know, that that leave you with options. So, um, but that was our that was our Achilles heel all year, man, and it really bit us in the butt, you know, Saturday. Yeah, yeah, Jeff, go get in here. I mean, they've been good all season, I thought, up until Georgia Tech and State. I mean, if you look at the numbers, you know, they're like perfect in the red zone in five games. Um, Jeff, what was the issue from your perspective? I mean, if you look at the first red zone drive we had on the touchdown run Drake had, it was a it was a great scheme, right? We got we got Drake running a split zone arc. He pulls the ball. He's out on the edge using his athleticism, you know, to try to, you know, 
outrun the defense and, and we scored on the first one. So, you know, I was like, great play call by Longo, great execution. And then the rest of the game, we just, we didn't do anything to challenge Clemson from a defensive perspective. Like we, we just stayed in our traditional three by one, two by two, normal spacing sets. You know, if you, I was watching the chiefs game yesterday and the, the chiefs Bengals and in the red zone, right. They're getting in these condensed sets to make rub routes because it's so, you know, Clemson's playing man down there occasionally when they were, and we're doing nothing to cause, cause panic from their secondary. And, you know, that, mm, Switz will tell you, like, you, you have to get into condensed sets and make the defense make their coverage Communic- checks. You have to make them communicate. Like, make them you, communicate. You have, to make them, you have to make them nervous in the back end. You get in, you get in these butch sets or these squeeze sets with, with you know, a lot of teams nowadays, are, are, they're doing a, a ton of pre-snap motion um, to kind of cause confusion in the back end. That's a great point, Jeff. It's a great point. And, and here's, here's the issue that I had. We did some of that stuff in the, in the normal field of play from the twenties. Like we ran a play in, in the third quarter where it was like a, it was a third down, I think. And Josh Downs went in motion. We snapped the ball and he was, the DBs were picked because of the alignment of the receivers. And we have an easy first down. Like right. that's a red zone play. That's a score zone play that we need to implement. And we just don't do it for whatever reason. And then our run game down there, it's just, it's so, you know, Clemson does Clemson obviously has great coaches and they do a great job of studying tendencies, but coach Longo ran some plays that he had run earlier in the season and a good coaching staff is going to ID those, those plays that we do well and, and prepare Clemson's defense for him. You know, mm-hmm. there was, he's coach Longo has, a, has a sense to, um, you know, sub in different personnel and he runs similar plays and Clemson, you know, they were all over every every play we had, especially when we pulled in, you know, three tight ends in the game. They knew exactly what we were running. You know, it was it was a mesh tight end throwback to, to – that was the, the pick six play. Is that the Bryson? Is that yeah. supposed to go to Bryson? Yeah, we've, we've, yeah. We've, we've, we've run it multiple times earlier this year, and, and Clemson yeah. was prepared for it, so that made Drake scramble, and then he throws a bad pass. But we just – Your offense changes it. when you get into that score zone. Like it, it – it, when, and when I say changes, I mean – your your playbook shrinks and you you've got a every week i mean you 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 should have i don't know 10 to 12 plays where you know this is specifically made for you know that area of the field and um yeah it was i think i i think i remember was it the i think it was a the fake fake swing to elijah that uh qb draw that drake really almost sneaked out of i thought that was one of yeah. that was one of the better play calls you know it drake had been breaking that tackle you know the majority of the year you know i think in and and clemson's guy obviously made a good play but yeah we, we just weren't good enough at all yeah i mean that goes in the fact that i mean they have four and five stars with four and five five stars behind them all across the, the front seven i mean trenton simpson was uh you know unc recruited him and he was sacking and, and, and catching Drake on, on some of those run plays. And, and he was a beast out there. There's just a different level of talent. I think that goes to development and getting a better offensive line and having more depth um, on the front five for UNC. Um, let's just go for some stats real quick and y'all can jump in with however you want to, well, I closed out the state stats, but um, I mean, I think Josh Downs had 11, 11 catches for hundred yards. I mean, he was, he was fantastic again, you know, Drake, He's only thrown one, I think, one passing touchdown in the last three games and has four interceptions the last three games, two against Clemson. Where do you want to go now? Like, what else stood out to y'all 
about what UNC did on Clemson. Then we'll, we'll kind of move away from this and get to more broader, say the program stuff, Jeff. Yeah, if you're just objectively watching the first half, our offense moved the ball as good as Clemson's offense did when Cade came in the game, right? It was just the issue that we couldn't put the ball in the end yeah. zone, right? Mm-hmm. We were we were running the ball well. Like, we our, our O-line was getting pushed on their D-line. I think that what changed in the game was Clemson all of a sudden said, they said, F it, we're just going to pressure Drake because that's when he's had issues. And, and they brought more guys than we could block at times. And, and it didn't have, you know, didn't allow Drake to, you know, make his plays with his legs and he was pressured in his face. And that's where Drake has struggled the last couple of weeks is, is with pressure in his face, not with a clean pocket where he can navigate and, and you know, see the field. Um, but, you know, it wasn't a, we were out physical in the first half by any mean, you know, we looked, just as competitive as they did. Our skill players were making plays. We were running the ball a little bit. You know, our, our receivers were making plays on their DBs. But, you know, in the situational football that really mattered from mm-hmm. both sides of our team, yeah. it was it was our offense situation. We couldn't score in the red zone. Our defense couldn't keep them out of the end zone in the red zone. And then our special teams didn't execute. Mm-hmm. So yeah. in three phases, all situational football, we just didn't get it done. So – yeah, the, the missed field goal in the red zone. I mean, you just look at the, the stats here. Total yards, 386 for UNC, 385 to Clemson. You're right, Jeff. UNC moved the ball very well. Time possession. At one point, UNC doubled up Clemson on time possession because Clemson scored off of the quick um, the quick drive after the fumble in the red zone and then the, the pick six, which they had the ball, what, five seconds on that? It was 35 minutes to 24 minutes for or, or 25 minutes for, for Clemson there. So, you're right. UNC moved the ball. They controlled the, the the time possession. They were nine for sixteen on third downs. You'll take that, right? That's pretty good. Nine for sixteen. Yeah. Are you? Yeah. I mean, against it's, against it's, Clemson, you'll take that. That's over. I half. felt like it, it. It was. It was some of the timely plays that Clemson mm-hmm. made. We didn't. I mean, it kind of reminded me of the Notre Dame game a little bit. You know, when when we started off the way that we did, and that you know Clemson goes down and scores. And and they go up fourteen seven. Obviously, then we fumble the ball, needing needing to go down and and put seven on the board. And they go up twenty one seven, miss field goal. I mean, it just it was just it kind of reminded me of, of how that game went. I didn't feel at any point during the game like we we um, from an offensive standpoint like we were in trouble. Like I didn't feel like we couldn't go down, move the football. When it went when when I kind of got you know sitting up in the stands when I kind of got biting my nails a little bit was when we started when that field started shrinking you know when we started mm-hmm. when we started getting down there um but I, I again i thought i thought the timely place clemson just made i mean special teams win you games uh, obviously the pick six so yeah, it's, it's red zone struggles and it's turnovers and untimely turnovers that led to points for clemson uh was huge there and then you know you kind of you go down 32 10 it could have been seven that was a big thing it could have been 24 17 a one-score yeah. game if UNC scored there, and instead it's 32-10. I don't know why they went for two there. Uh, Clemson went for two. I don't, I don't understand the it's math flexing, there. but flexing. They, they did. Flexing. Maybe trying to impress the playoff, playoff committee or something. Um, okay, anything else on Clemson? Um, a missed opportunity again. Good to get there. You know, nine wins, but but definitely disappointing into the season there with i'm curious I, from a clemson standpoint man i tweeted it man i'm curious why why they didn't why they didn't make that move you know maybe a week yeah. sooner you know like and, it's and hard, DJ it's, used, you could you could argue that the the south carolina game might have been a bigger game for them 
you know, with everything that they had on the line. So uh, that was curious. We can talk about this. DJ U's already in the transfer portal. And, you know, Mac Brown was really? massive. Yeah, he entered. Yeah. Oh, wow. I, I, I woke up <laughs> to this morning. And, and UNC's back quarterback, Jacoby Criswell, is also in the portal. But um, Mac was asked about had they prepared for Cade Klubnik because he played a decent amount throughout the season and he never played extensively. And Mac said they didn't prepare for him. Jeff, you heard differently that they did prepare for him. Uh, I don't have thoughts on that. I know, Switzer, you shared that tweet in the, in the group chat late on Saturday night. I mean, according to Jeff, they did prepare. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you listen to Cedric Gray post game, and obviously they he, he mentioned that you know they knew that they had packages and and Kate had played before. Um, th- there there wasn't a huge difference to prepare for him because DJ did have a running element to his game. You know, he just was wasn't as polished of a passer as Cade. So it's not like you're completely changing the defense. But what I think is is Coach Brown isn't really in tune with what we're doing defensively. Um, I think if you ask Chizik, was he interviewed after the game? Do you know if he was yeah, interviewed? They, they and they, never, UNC never makes the coordinators available. I wish. Okay. They well, I, I mean, if, if Cedric Gray, our starting linebacker, says that we prepared for mm-hmm. him, then you know I, that's the guy I trust the most on the defense. So he he knows exactly what we're doing. Um, so that's why I thought it was a little quirky. Is you know if our starting linebacker says we prepared for him, but our head coach doesn't, there's there's a disconnect somewhere, and that's not good. You know, whether he's he's not doing anything with the defense, he's just, you know, kind of overseeing the team. And, um, but maybe he misspoke. But I, if, if, if the linebacker says we prepared for him and the head coach doesn't, there's some, there's a disconnect that's not good. Yeah, and, and Cave was great. I mean, obviously – He's going to be good. Clemson there. Yeah, he he's was sharp. I, mean, I think his first drive, he was like five or five or six or six and then led them a couple of scores there. Um, all right, we'll move on to kind of stay the program, maybe some transfer talk first. We'll talk to you about Blue Shark Vodka. Smoothest Vodka in the world. They've been sponsoring this show and Inside Carolina podcast for, for two years now. Uh, I want to thank Connor Barth and the people in Riceville Beach for um, you know sponsoring Inside Carolina, an independent company, the sports independent podcast and media company, Blue Shark Vodka, Smoothest Vodka in the world, made from sweet Carolina corn, um, super smooth, accessible price point, and available in all 100 North Carolina counties. Check it out for the holidays. Blue Shark Vodka. I want to give a quick shout to Roback. They sent me some gear. Roback, we, we helped out with some Armando's NIL stuff. I did at least. And they sent me a bunch of gear. So I'm rocking my new Roback hoodie. Some good active wear gear there. All right. I'm an extra large, Ross. I need a, I need a pullover. <laughs> yeah, I'm an extra large in shirts, but I need bigger um, joggers. They're, they're too short. All right. Anyway. Um, all big, right. Where are you going to go with leg this? guy. That's right. Uh, transfer portal. I mean, briefly, I mean, this is the new, I saw one of your tweets, uh, Switzer. I mean, it's the new state of the game now. I mean, he, Drake may was asked about if he was being tampered with and his decision, if he was going to look around and he said, you know, he is committed to UNC. Uh, that's his intention was kind of an odd word choice, but you know, it was, it was late on a Saturday night. Um, let's see. Rod Rod Dilworth in the transfer portal, Jacoby Criswell, Chris Collins, Jonathan Kim and Dontavious Nash. Uh, Nash didn't play much. Ra Ra, you coached him, Jeff. I mean, he was a big time recruit for UNC. He is in the portal. He just wasn't used very well in in Gene Chizik's offense. Always seemed a little bit small to me. I think he was kind of built for the creativity of a Jay Bateman defense. Of course, Jim, Jacoby Criswell makes sense. Jonathan Kim, we've already talked about him. You know, he wanted to be a, a starting place kicker, and then. Um, 
Chris Collins, you know, fifth year guy who's going to be a six year grad transfer somewhere else. Your thoughts on that and, and maybe Ra Ra since you do know him? Yeah, I mean, just looking at, you know, the five or six guys that have announced that they're leaving our program so far, they're all the backup guys that didn't, you know, get as much time as they wanted. So I think that's kind of the nature you're seeing in college football now is, yes, you are seeing some some starters that transfer maybe to go to bigger levels, but the majority of these guys, they were used as backups and played sparingly. So they they think the grass is greener and they think they can go to another program and just play right away, um, which like Ra Ra, I'll, I'll speak on Ra Ra. Ra Ra is one of the most talented athletic wise linebackers I've been around just in terms of his, his speed and his quickness, his lateral ability. Um, I mean, it's in the 1% of the linebackers that play college football. The things that make a really good linebacker, though, are the ability to tackle, ability to diagnose, toughness, you know, instincts, and maybe that's where he was lacking. You know, I don't think a coach is going to – like, you watch Power Eccles and Cedric Gray. First of all, they were both all ACC. One was first team, one was honorable mention. And the majority of the game right now is played with two two linebackers. So, Ra Ra wasn't going to beat out those two, and especially, you know, so we used him on third down and to rush the passer some, and – when he was in, in the game, he didn't make plays. Like, think back to the season. Was there one – maybe he had a sack, you know, but he played in all 12 games. There wasn't a game where you saw, you're like, damn, like, rah-rah looked really good. You know, he had the opportunity to make plays, and he just didn't. And I think he played, you know, the amount of snaps that he, he deserved. Um, I wish him the best. He's a great kid. But, like, he's got to develop his body more, and he's got to develop his off-the-ball linebacker instincts, you know, reading pullers you know, dropping into zone coverage, et cetera. Like he's a freak athlete, but, you know, he's, he's got some development to do. Yeah, maybe, Ra -Ra, maybe, that, I mean, maybe that's on the coaches. Yeah, I mean, you he know? was recruited for Jay Bateman's defense where they kind of use him creatively as, as, as more of a blitzer or in different packages. And obviously you bring a whole new difference, difference coordinator in. I don't know if that changes thing, but he was a big-time commit. I mean, he was ranked 103 in the nation, um, number 11 linebacker, a 24-7 sports composite, four-star guy out of Glenn High School in Kernersville. Um, you know, expectations were high. I mean, one of the fastest linebackers in the nation, but a little undersized to, to get off tackles. Um, you know, he was recruited as a safety to Alabama. Alabama wanted him as a safety. Um, and, and UNC recruited him as a linebacker. And, you know, sometimes you need patience. You got to stay in a program. I mean, in my opinion, you stay and get your degree, and then you transfer because a UNC degree is going to be better than – 95% of the degrees out there. Um, Switzer, your thoughts in general on the transfer portal? I mean, I know you don't, you're not in the media, but from an outsider's perspective, having played the game, it's just a different world now. I mean, you can leave and play yeah. anywhere, and then the money comes in. Um, it's, it's just a, a changing world in cultural ball right now. Yeah, it's something that, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be coaching here in a couple of weeks, so it's something that, you know, I got to get used to. Um, here, man, I'm kind of split because – I know of guys that when I was in school that really, really could have benefited from the portal. You know, I know I had, I had teammates who committed to a coaching staff or committed to a certain coach or committed to a system. And, you know, a year's time that coach leaves or, you know, that coach doesn't quite keep, not their promises, but kind of stay true to what they've told this, this player. And, Next thing you know, that, that player's kind of stuck. You know, he's got guy, other guys in the room that that coach has brought in or that new coach has brought in. The system has changed, um, and they can't leave because you lose that year of eligibility, and, and it's kind of an unknown of what's going to happen taking a year off and sitting out. So 
um, from that standpoint, man, I, I, I am a believer in the, in the portal and, but, you know, then you got on the other hand, you know, you got kids who, you know, jump ship mid season. Um, you got kids well, they who, one, one thing switch, they can't enter until today. It's a little bit different than it was last year. They like last year, UNC had players leave like mid season. Okay. Yeah. I've seen things, right. But I, I've seen things on, they may not, they may not enter the portal, but I've seen things mm-hmm. to, uh, around the country, you know, kids, Trent, like saying, I my intentions are to transfer. Like they've left the yeah. team. That's yeah. that's that's like, kind of where I meant. Yeah, Jonathan and, Kim and, this season did that. And so, like, you know, I think, um, you know, you've got twos. You've got legit two twos leaving, um, who may not who may not be running, but not realizing, you know, they're they're an opportunity away. They're an injury away. Like, they're. I mean, it's it's crazy to me, man. And I think a lot of this nowadays um, falls on the parents. Um, and what I mean by that is, is these kids, they're, they're, they're just that they're kids. Right. And I'm sure that there was plenty of times when I was in school where I was like, you know what, (laughs) if I could leave, I'm leaving like this, things aren't going my way, you know, at this particular moment, or I don't see the bigger picture. I don't see what could be. And, and I'm leaving. And had that happened to me, it would have been one of the worst decisions I would, I, you know, I could have ever made especially with how things shook out for me at UNC. So I think a lot of this, you know, especially nowadays falls on, you know, parental guidance, like, you know, talking to, talking to these kids and, um, you know, kind of laying out that bigger picture. But again, I'm torn because, you know, it is good. I believe that, you know, players that are in bad situations should have the opportunity, should have every opportunity to, to go and, and explore other options. And then, I think on the uh, the flip side of it, you've got kids who prematurely jump ship and, and leave. Uh, what I saw something on Twitter the other day. I think it was like, what was it, like 60% of the portal athletes like don't find a home or something like yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, there's numbers out there. I think every year it's a little different. But, yeah, around around 65 uh, to 60% don't end up anywhere. So they I mean, I don't know. I was talking to Gabby about it last night. Like, you know, I don't know how you regulate. I don't think you can regulate the portal – to where it's only used for the kids who really need it. Like, you know, who, who's in charge of who's, who would be in charge of saying like, no, you, you need to stay or, you know what I mean? So I, I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I, I again, I'm interested, I'm interested, I'm entering this world here in a couple of weeks, man. So, um, <laughs> where are you going? Where are you going, Switzer? I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm, <laughs> hey, going, I'm going Switz, where Switz, the best opportunity luck. is. <laughs> good luck good luck and i'm i'm taking the bull by the horns man i'm i'm ready but uh no it's it's a wild i mean i heard drake say he wasn't taking any in-person meetings and my head was just like this is this is this is free agency man this is like this is yeah, they nuts all, they all have agents who coordinate this but you can't channels. even at the next level like you can't poach kids like you you can't poach players like you can't you can't I mean, that's a hefty fine. That's a loss of draft picks. That's a, you, you know what I mean? You can't go and talk to another player at an organization like during the season. Happened, or, it, it happens all year. It happens everywhere. I mean, it happened it's just, with Josh Downs last year. It's, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's nuts, man. It's nuts. They got to do, the NCAA has got to do something about it. They won't. Jeff, what, they do you, have to. Jeff what do you think about the transfer portal in general? And then we'll get out of here with some, with some team talk, general state of the program stuff. No, I think it's necessary, but there's just so much gray area involved that, you know, if you look at the total success stories in the transfer portal, I'd say maybe it's 10% out of total transfers 
end up being successful for both parties. And I'd say the other 90, they, they just get lost. You know, maybe they go play a little bit of another program, but a lot of these guys don't even sign up, end up signing scholarships with other programs, which is, which is terrible because, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's their, their way to go to college and graduate. And now they're, they're on the street without it, without a, you know, an opportunity to go to school, which, which it sucks. Um, but I always think back to, to Mitch's story, you know, Mitch mm. in the, in the transfer portal, if it was around when he was there, you know, maybe he leaves, but he sticks it out for three years of not playing and arguably he should have. And he plays for one season as the number two draft pick. Like that would never happen Good in point. today's world because mm-hmm. yeah, he would have been gone. I think, you know, but I, th- I think, I think but, he's just, he was built different. Jeff like, saying, Jeff saying like they, they, they took that decision making out of his hands. Like yeah, by yeah. not having the portal, they, they essentially handcuffed him to well, the, the big thing is he, you have to, sit out a year you don't have to sit out a year anymore That's yeah. a big thing. And, and and i think mitch too he was he believed in himself he was committed to a coaching staff he he was with his guys and he was just like i'm gonna keep betting on myself and i know once i get my opportunity that you know i'm gonna make the most of it and that's what he did but it's just like so interesting to see you see all these quarterbacks that i think like i don't know the number but like every school, maybe 9% of schools had a transfer quarterback in the last year. It's just like, they're always transferring out if they don't win the job. I'm like, you don't have to, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't yeah, know. The quarter, right way to... Quarterback's a little bit different. Cause I mean, it's just one position, like, you know, a, a you know, wide receiver can transfer in or not leave because he's going to get some snaps, but a quarterback is just kind of one guy. It's uh, you know, UNC's playing Bo Nix in the, um, in the bowl game. And he's a transfer from Auburn who, who had a great year at Oregon this year. So, it's happening everywhere. The Boston Boston College quarterbacks transferring, the Virginia quarterbacks transferring, Notre Dame quarterbacks transferring. So those are three kind of. I mean, I know that Notre Dame's not ACC, but three two ACC guys that are that are leaving. Interesting track. So yeah, stay locked in to Inside Carolina. We're following. We have a tracker up on the board right now. Uh, we're track. We expect a, a few more to enter today, and then it becomes like, who is UNC going to get? Because they're definitely going to try to get some guys too. They could get a wide receiver. They could. They need a linebacker, maybe safety, cornerback. There's a lot of positions where they need some talent that could start next year because um, I think there'll be some spaces with, with Josh Downs leaving, Antoine Green leaving, um, you know, they're without some cornerbacks as well. So, all right, stay the program. UNC, nine and four, three straight losses. You know, we're in year four of Mac Brown. Who knows if there's any coaching changes? I don't know how much we can get into that, but I think we're kind of – I think it was the same thing last year. You're kind of at this little crossroads of the program where you don't know how long Mac Brown's staying. You know, you, you got to a point, nine wins is great, but there's still questions. The, the defense has not been good since since Mac's been here. Jeff, why don't you start us out? I don't, I don't know where you want to take this, but I think it's a worthy discussion, kind of where UNC is right now, where they're going to be, where they're going to go with this staff um, and what they have. Because, look, next year they have Drake May. They have Drake May coming back. You know, there's a potential to be really special again next year. Yeah, I've been teetering back and forth on, you know, where I stand exactly, um, you know, because we did just play in the ACC championship. We haven't played there in seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we went we have we have the ability to win 10 games and 10, 10 games in college football is a great benchmark. Um, you know, it, it, and Switch can attest this. It is hard to win in college football mm-hmm. week in and week out. And I know our fans want us to blow these teams out. But, you know, we, we beat some teams we should have and, and we lost, you know, the two games that the thing that bothered me with the two games that 
were our quote unquote biggest games of the year were Notre Dame and Clemson. And we weren't really competitive at the end of the game. And that's, you know, we keep saying we're a regional program. We need to be a national program. And we've been saying it, saying it, saying it for the last three years now. And, and results need to happen. And I, I don't know what changes need to be made. I, it's not my job really to speak on that. I, I think Deion Sanders had a good quote the other day. He said, coaches in college either get elevated or terminated. And to going into the offseason, I'm not saying we need to fire some specific coach, but I think changes need to be made within our program. You know, players are coming and going, and maybe it's the same for some of the coaches. Um, you know, maybe we need to – you know. To, you know, move on from some guys and bring in a new mindset. And the thing that for me, it's hard is like, if people are saying we need to fire Chizik, well, it's it's hard as hell as a player to have three different defensive coordinators in three years. Like, it's just, it's a lot on the kid, uh, a lot on the kid, just, you know, learning new terminology, learning new personalities. So do I think that's the answer? No. Um, And and I'm not going to be like, we need to hire, fire this coach, but, there's going to, there's going to need changes to be made in this, in this program, Yeah, you know, whether, whether it's, whether it's a mindset on what we do offensively, you know, I don't mindset from the head coach, you know, like we all got to look ourselves in the mirror and, and be like, what we're doing is working to a, to a point, but then to that next level, it's not working. So there's gotta be something that we do to either, you know, keep going or we're just we're, we're literally at a, at, a, at a plateau right now we're, we're flatlining yeah i think that plateau is kind of not winning the big games like you yeah. beat the teams kind of you showed up i mean but then again they've lost to florida state and georgia tech last couple of years you know not beating Notre dame not really competing with clemson losing some games they should have shouldn't have been like this should have been 11 in one season like the, the standards change i think you said this jeff last episode the standards change mid-season when when things are rolling with drake and, you know, eight wins, seven, eight wins was not the standard anymore. It moved to, you know, this could be a double-digit win season, the regular season. Um, I think there's a developmental issue on defense. The pl- some players have not gotten better. Tony Grimes regressed. The defensive line hasn't taken the next step we expected them to. Um, so you look at those position coaches or, or the culture or however things are being coached on the defensive side of the ball because the defense did not get better from Jay Bateman to Gene Chizik, even with more experience. The talent being developed or, or should have been developed, um, there was not a an improvement on the defense. And I don't think it was a Jay Bateman problem. I don't think it's a Gene Chizik problem either because he's proven to be a, a good defensive coordinator. I think there's other issues um, that need to happen on the defense side of the ball. Offense, you know, I think the offensive line was better this year under Jack Bicknell. I mean, you can't complain. I mean, Drake May had an unbelievable season. Yes, red zone issues in the last couple of games, but that's – that happens. I mean, it, it's not it's not always going to be perfect, but I think Phil Longo has done has done very well with two different quarterbacks across four seasons. Switzer, your take from what you see, kind of being a little bit of an outsider, but observing this program um, from from your perspective as a former player. Yeah, I think first first and foremost, I just have to say how how much fun I had being a fan this year and, and watching the boys um, full time, and and I want to thank. Thank the staff. I want to thank the the players um, for the season that they did give us. Um, I think that being said, I think it's super important, man, that we finish this year on a high note. Like I think this Oregon game is really, really important. I mean, this is a this is a top tier program that we're playing. Like Jeff said, a chance to get the ten wins and kind of get that taste out of our mouth heading into the off season. Um, 
And that's a big, that's a big thing. Like as players, like, you know, you go through winter conditioning, you go through spring ball, like you want something that you can hang your hat on. At least I did. And I know, I'm, I know Jeff, Jeff probably did as well. Like I know when we, when we, I think it was the year we went six and seven, lost to Rutgers in the bowl game. It stunk. Like it stunk the entire off season. Like it, it, it was, it was detrimental. And, and, and in a way it, it really propelled what we, what we ended up doing that next year going 11 and one. So I think this Oregon game is huge and there's a lot of unknowns, you know, from, from a program standpoint, I mean, just outside looking in, you know, the coastal is, 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 uh, is done. You know, I, I don't think has our schedule for next year hasn't come out yet. Has it? I think the away games are set. Um, yeah, I think they play. Uh, Minnesota. Well, there, there's no more like what the coastal is is finished. Like correct, like we're yeah, not, correct. So yeah, yeah so ACC doesn't come out. So no more coastal. But they've had the pause now. So UNC will play Duke, State, and Virginia every year. Right. So um, there's a lot of unknowns from that standpoint, and what that what that's gonna you know look like for us. Um, I was just disappointed in how the season, how the last month ended. Um, like I said earlier in the show, you wanted to be playing your best ball in November, and, and we weren't. Um, but, again, they've got a chance to right the ship. Um, throw the ball game out the window, man. I don't care if it's the Holiday Bowl or the freaking St. Mary's whatever bowl. Like, this is a chance to go out west and play a top-tier program in Oregon and get, uh, get things back in track for next season. Um, so, and they've shown that they can do it, man. They've shown that, you know, from what was it six and seven last year to, you know, nine and one, obviously finished nine and three, but, you know, still an improvement regardless of what people want to say about the metrics on defense or about the offense, like, you know, six and seven to, to nine and three is still an improvement, you know? Um, so this is going to be a, a big month of bowl preparation and, and uh, a big game against Oregon that, that they need to take very seriously. Yeah. It's nine of four there for those listening. Um, an extra, Nine four. an extra loss there. Um, so they have a chance to go 10 and four. Uh, or sorry, yeah, 10 and four sounds a lot better than, than nine and five. Um, bowl prep, I mean, what it's huge for development. You know, you get a lot of the freshmen, redshirt freshmen, a lot more snaps. I mean, it's important. Maybe it's like the dog days. You know, you've played 13, 14 weeks already, and now you're in December preparing for a bowl game, December 28th. It is a, it is a great opportunity. I mean, I, you know, you, you wanted them to either beat State or beat Clemson, and, you know, that would be, like, a really good way to finish the season. Now you're kind of looking at the bowl game to go on a positive note. That's important to, to look at there. Um, I was looking at y'all's. Here's the schedule for next year. Um, South Carolina in Bank of America to open the, open the season. September 2nd, that's Labor Day weekend, South Carolina, then App State at home, so the third match with the Mountaineers, then Minnesota at home. I'm not sure how many times UNC's played Minnesota. Then they have Campbell on the schedule in November and the ACC slate. The dates are not set, but it's Georgia Tech, it's NC State, Duke, Miami, Syracuse, Virginia, Clemson at Clemson. It's a big one. And then at Pitt as well. And they play State and Georgia Tech on the road. So that's your slate for next season. That's the right. cakewalk. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Clemson's <laughs> tough. And App's tough. South Carolina's going to be tough. They're rolling. Um, Minnesota is a power five matchup there. Um, I was just looking at some of the y'all's uniforms. I always crack up looking at y'all's uniforms when y'all wore the, the black trim in the bowl game. Ugly. Ugly. Uh, and then, yeah, the black helmet. That's some funny uniforms y'all wore in the bowl games during y'all's era. Bad, 
Bad ball, man. Hey, hey, I will say this. I want to talk a little bit about, you know, I heard some comparisons on which team would win this year, the 2015 team, you know, the last two teams to go to the ACC championship. I'm like, look, guys, we went 11-1. and one. They went 9-3. and three. Those two games that they lost, like, we played the same style of team, both unranked teams, and we handled our business. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, that's what matters in college football. You get to win, you move on, you advance. Win by any means. Just win, baby, says Al Davis. And that, that was the difference between the two teams is we, we – it may not have been pretty all the time, but we won the game. And some of the games towards the end of, this, end of the year, we were peaking. You know, we beat Miami by 40. We beat Duke by 30. You know, it's just we, a different – ran through state. Ran through state, right? Ran through state, like we that were. Cl- that that clip, that fifteen Clemson team was a little bit different than than this twenty. A lot, team. a lot different. They that were fifteen one of the Clemson country. team was different. <laughs> who, who was the quarterback? Was it was it Watson? Desha- Deshaun. It was Deshaun? Yeah. They were different. They had man. they that had NF- NFL starters. Shaq Watson on the D line, like they were, they were different. <laughs> yeah, they, y'all's NFL offense, man. That was. Uh, y'all's offense that year with Marquise and then of course Ryan. I mean, we we Mac. We had Mac, Quinshot, Bug. Like T- we, TJ, Elijah, Elijah was first. TJ first, and Elijah. First team. Like we play. I think. Well, how? What did we score that game? What was 40, it thirty-seven? Something like that. Yeah. Well, we I, I felt like from, we. I felt like we had our. We held our own from an offensive standpoint. Um, I think. I think our line did it. I'm just looking back on it. Our line, you know. They, they they gave it their all against that that front seven that Clemson had, man. But we I guess we'll never know, man. We didn't get that uh we didn't get that call. Who were the studs on defense for, for y'all, Jeff? That was uh you and Shaq. Um, MJ MJ Stewart was our best player, probably. He was was he a freshman that year? He was a sophomore. sophomore. Nas had a great yeah. year that year. Jeremiah yeah. Clark had Fat Mello yeah. had a great year that year. Yeah. Uh, Dewan Jordan, Mikey Bart. Yeah. Uh, we were played well that year. We had good cornerbacks. Des Lawrence was a very underrated corner. You know, he mm-hmm. didn't really play in the league, but just was a solid, really good college football player. Yeah. Oh, what, um, what, what, what hurt us was uh, Sam Smiley tore his Achilles in the NC State game, so he didn't get to play in the championship. And we had a couple big, big plays there. What but. was that? Mike? Mike? Um, gosh. Why am Ooh. I blanking? Mike Hughes? Like, Mike Hughes. Oh, my gosh. He Mike was Hughes nice. is going to be. He, he was a freshman a star. that year. Yeah, yes. he was a freshman. Yeah, right. cool. he's he, he's still star. he's still playing in the league. Yeah, I know he's with the Lions. Yeah, yeah. he's a first round pick. A couple unfortunate yeah. uh, mm-hmm. things there for him to leave UNC. Yeah, it was fun. That was my first team I covered in Chapel Hill. Um, and now I'm doing podcasts with y'all. How about that? <laughs> All right, guys, that was fun. Up. Yeah, Jeff, let's get your perspective. Uh, first year, kind of in the media game. You know, doing a podcast once a week. How was it? it it was fun. I mean, it just allowed me to, you know, stay in touch with the game. You know, obviously it was a little different for me because I'm covering the guys that, and, the, and the coaches that I was with for the last four years. Um, so, and, and like Switch said, I, I'm always going to side with the, with the players because they, they bust their ass year in and year out to play 12 games a year. So I'm always going to, you know, thank them for how they compete. Like Cedric Gray – I love that kid to death. Like he's like a little brother to me. Like Drake, Drake, just so happy to see his development. Like it's been fun. Obviously, we didn't finish the season how we wanted, but it was it was fun to you know be able to speak about him. You know, kind of stay in football because you know I feel like I have I can provide some knowledge and a little insight that most people don't have because I've been on both sides of the you know playing and coaching and now you know being able to speak about it. But 
you know, look forward to bigger and better things, Ross. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think people really appreciate your perspective. I think you did a good job balancing because you, you know you know these guys. It's hard to call yeah. out coaches and players that you know, and it's a tough uh, thing to balance. I think you did a good job with that. You know, being being direct and honest when you needed to be, um, and about towing that line. Switzer, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, Blue Shark Vodka. Switzer's a, a two-time guest now. Appreciate Blue Shark Vodka for sponsoring this show, um, calling the shots. Our last episode. We appreciate all y'all listening uh, on YouTube and on the podcast feed, guys. We'll see you.